Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Mark Madavan. We hope you enjoy listening to it. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. Thanks, Margaret. I'd like to leave your Bibles turned on or, or open, and uh, we're going to dive into that in a few moments' time. Um, my starting point, though, is holidays. Who likes a good holiday? And uh, do, are you people who have loads and loads of ideas, or do you sort of go, I'm not sure what we want to do this time? And we, we as a family, a few years ago, we weren't sure what we went to do. We went to a travel agent and chatted. And then the lady said, have you considered going on a cruise? And we went, no, we're not that old. And, and she insisted we were that old. No, she, she insisted that, that actually a lot of families do cruises and, and young, and there's lots of swimming pools and lots of things. And they're going, it's great. And then we went, but isn't that going to be like Butlins on the Sea? You know, because we were worried about that. If you're, you know, just trapped with a lot of people you don't know in this confined space. And, and they said, no, no, it's great. We asked a few people. And who's been on a cruise? Yep. And, and those who've been on a cruise, they're, they're quite fun, aren't they? Because what it is, is you're in a really nice hotel that takes you to a new city almost every day. And it's the hotel that moves and you stay in the same place. And, and that, that's amazing. But what's really sort of struck us, what struck me the most was the food. 
Now, cruisers, they know how to do food. And there's a lot of food. And they, but they have a buffet, a whole buffet area. And it's not a buffet with curling sandwiches and things like that, things that have been left there for like since last week. It's every single day is, is refreshed. And it's not just little make-do stuff like, you know, school dinners. It's not like that. Every area has its own chef. So if you love a good curry, it's proper curry. If you like Chinese food, it's proper Chinese food. If you like um, English food or whatever, everything is, is fresh and new and, and everything you want is, is there. And you've paid for it. So it's like your duty, isn't it? To go and to, to try and to, to have this and to eat it. And, and people are coming with, you know, like big plates coming and you sit, people as in us, coming with big plates and you're, and you're eating where you've got a, a really mixture on your plate, but you've got to try it all. And then at the end you're going, oh, I ate too much. I'm not going to eat ever again. Well, until the next meal. And they refresh the buffet and you go, look at all this. And you give another tray here. And then in between meals, just in case um, you get a little bit peckish, is that there's, um, there's like ice cream parlors and pizza places and pastry. And it's all free. So you go, I really fancy that pizza smells nice. And you get a piece for free. And, and, and it just tides you over into the next buffet. And I, I must admit that, that we did eat quite a lot. We gained a good, a lot of weight. If you've been on a cruise, who's experienced that? You, most of you do, and it's great. Now, if you say, well, I've never done a cruise, but you probably have done a hotel with a buffet breakfast. Have you done that? And the buffet breakfast, and, and, and at home, you may have a bowl of cereal, but here you have a cooked breakfast, and you have danishes, and you have croissants, and you have fruit, and you have cereal, and let's put yogurt on that as well, and this, and juice, and, and you eat, and you eat, and you eat. How many of you at a, at a buffet, like a hotel buffet, breakfast, you eat way, way, way more than you do than at home. Yep. And then confession time is a safe place. And then how many then sneak some muffins into their pockets? <laughs> Just in case. You, you do that, don't you? I know. Okay. Now, now, this actually has something to do with our reading, believe it or not. It will weave in there somewhere, I promise. We are jumping in this morning back to our book of Ephes- the book of Ephesians. It's a letter written to the church in Ephesus. And we've been looking at this, um, this term, and we're going to go to the end of it by, up to um, Easter. If you've missed any of the sermons, I want to encourage you to go to our website, download the podcast, and catch up. So I'm not going to recap, but go and get it there. So we're, we're diving straight where we, we left off. We left off in the, in the middle of chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago, and we're, we're picking up from verse 17. And what's happening here is Paul is addressing one of the two key battlegrounds that we have in our lives. See, Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus and says, God is doing a new thing. He wants to do something that will transfer our personal, transform our personal lives, our family, our community, and the city. God wants to do something incredible. And this letter is encouraging them how to engage with that more. And there's two main battlegrounds that, that stop us entering into this fullness of God. One of the battlegrounds are, are the, the powers and principalities, the outside forces that, that pull us away, that are constructed in our society, that pull us away from encountering the goodness of God. We're going to be looking at that in a couple of weeks' time when we hit Ephesians chapter 6. But here, Paul is looking at the other battleground. In some ways, I would argue that this is a more influential battleground that, that will determine whether you'll encounter the fullness of God more than the devil and the evil forces. It, this, this is a bigger thing that can stop us encountering the presence of God. And what it is, it's you. 
It's ourselves. It's that, that inner desire we have, that, that, that I, to fulfill our needs, that, that I want what I want and I want it now and we reach for it and we, we, feed, we feed it. And uh, In an old translation, it would often be called the flesh. This inner thing in you that, that says, I need it. So when we go to a buffet, let's go back to our buffet, it's, it's the forces beyond that set out all this lovely food. But the thing that determines how much you pile on the plate is you. It's you. And this is the second battle. This is actually, this is probably the primary battleground. And this is what Paul is addressing here. He started in this, in this, um, this reading. He said, look, no longer be like the Gentiles, those who do not know God. Don't be like them who are trying to, to gratify and satisfy those desires and, and going, oh, I need it. I need it. I need it. Because just as if at a buffet, you just keep filling your face with all the food, it will have an impact on your health and your life. It, it, well, you, you all, we all know that, don't we? But the same is when it comes in life, is if we are motivated by just trying to fulfill every desire and satisfy every need in us and saying, when I get it, then I'll be happy. When I'll get it, then I'll be happy. And we chase and chase and chase. The Bible says, actually, that that way leads us away from the truths of God. What it does is it hardens our hearts and it makes us deaf to God. And we begin to walk further and further away from God. And we don't even realize it because we're going, but if I get more, then I'll be happy. If I get more, then I'll be happy. It's, it's interesting, this, this thing that, that's in us all, this, this desire that we have to get more. That may be, it may be money. We might need more money. It may be success. It may be intimacy and relationship. It may be a whole variety of things. But have you ever thought about this? What will fulfill your deepest desire? And I think the answer is, well, everything. Because when you have everything, then you have it. Because how many of you have done this? You, you bought a gadget, you got the latest, you got the latest gadget, and, and uh, it's a clock just to assure you, okay? You got the latest gadget, and you go, and finally, I got this one. It's really good. It's an iPad Pro. And then in a year's time, what do Apple go and do? And then you go, oh, see, this is old. I, I need the new one. And the desire in your heart is, I need to get the next thing. And the truth is, is that our desires, my desire and your desire, is only fulfilled by infinity. When we have everything. And this desire that we chase, which actually is, is in our culture. Our culture says that full fulfillment, that freedom is found, is when you have anything and do what you want. And our, our culture is convinced of this. You need freedom. Do, don't, you know, reject anything that restricts, especially God's stuff. Reject, reject, reject. Is you need to fulfill what you need and what you want. And when you do it, you will find fulfillment. And the truth is, you don't. Our culture is more disconnected. There's more stress. There's more depression. There's, there's more want and need and isolation than ever before. Because... What the world defines as fulfillment and freedom actually is selfishness. Because if you meet your need, the Bible says something different. The Bible says the way you fulfill this infinite hunger is by connecting to the infinite God. See, that's the way to do it. The only thing that's going to fulfill that infinite desire that's in me and in you for more is when you encounter the God who is infinity. And he says, come into relationship with me. Come and meet the God who is infinite because he can satisfy the desire of your heart. The desire of your heart is everything. And God says, yeah, and I am everything. But there's something very countercultural here. 
Because it's not just that he will fulfill. He then says, but then you need to do something which is very countercultural, which is we need to deny ourselves and follow him. We need to say, God, infinity is found in you. Therefore, instead of chasing me and what I want and more, my, I've got to say, I'm going to say no to my motivation. And I'm going to say yes to you. I want to put myself under what you say, God, for you are the God of infinity. You know best. And if I come under your rules, under your reign, is then I'm going to encounter. And this is what scripture says, is that when we do that, when we deny ourselves daily and we come under him, is then we encounter his fullness, his security, his peace, his love. The things that we desire so deep within us are found in him. See, this is what Paul is writing about. Paul is saying is there is a battle in all of us to find that fulfillment. And he said, and the fulfillment is not found in chasing after what you want. Because chasing after what you want leads you away from God. It's actually by leaning more into God. The more we lean into God, the more we encounter God. And Paul's unpacking this. Uh, we, we could have actually, I'm going to cover a little bit more to, to um, chapter 5, verse 20. Is in this, is Paul is saying a couple things to help, in fact, not to help us, he is instructing us. He says, if you want to encounter God, he said, this is what you need to do. Verse 22, the first thing you need to do is this, is you, you need to take off your old self to allow your mind to be transformed and put on the new. You need to take off the things of, of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of death, and you need to put on the things of God and the kingdom of light. Back in Ephesians 2, the beginning of Ephesians 2, it says that by Christ's death and resurrection is we have been transformed from the, from the land of death to the land of life, to the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Because once we were lost under this spirit of the air, which is doing, do whatever you want and you'll be fulfilled. And he says, no, what I've done is I've saved you. I've given you a new identity. I've changed your status. When you put your trust in Jesus, he fundamentally changes who you are. You are no longer a child of darkness. You're a child of light. He said, that is true. And then he picks up that theme here again in Ephesians 4. And he says, but what we need to do is we need to dress accordingly. We need to take off the things that are more of the kingdom of darkness and put on the things of the kingdom of light. And then Paul gives us a whole load of examples. So put off falsehood. Another word for falsehood is lies and put on truth. He says, put, put off that anger and, and resentment and holding that and embrace forgiveness. Put off stealing and put on serving where you're investing in others. To put off unwholesome talk and actually use words that build up one another. To put off bitterness and rage and, and brawling and put on things of holiness and righteousness. He says to take off and put on. He's really clear with this. But I, let me show you what I think many of us do. If you're wondering what my, my, little, my little thing of here is, because this is what, what we do, is I think that we're pretty good at this. We're, I think we're pretty good at putting on. I think we, we put things on, and we go, yep, I put that on, that's great. And then, oh, another thing, let's put that on as well. And, and um, let's just pop that on as well. And, and then, oh, there's another thing. Let me put that on as well, because that's another thing. Yeah, I need, I need to put that on as well. Don't I? So, so then we put that on as well. And it's going to be good for the podcast, isn't it? And uh, so we put that on as well. And we're going, oh, then there's that thing. I've got to put that on as well. Uh, and then we put this on as well. So put on, there we go. <sighs> Thank you. Look, look, look good, yeah? Yeah. Um, thank you for those reading the scripture words that build up. Thank you. And, and that's good. But here, yeah, this is what we tend to do. 
is we hear that I'm part of the kingdom of God and I need to put on love. I need to put on forgiveness. I need to put on that. But what we forget to do is we forget to take things off. We put on the things of the kingdom of God, but we put them over our old stuff. So I've got to put on love and forgiveness and go, oh, I need to be more loving. I need to be forgiving. Apart from that, Nate, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what? And we're wearing this thing of unforgiveness and anger. Is that we are still wearing some things. And do you know when people bump in and say, Christians are hypocrites? I think what they see is this. They see, why is he wearing a cagoule under a coat? Why is he wearing two jobs? What? It doesn't make sense. Because what they see in us is they see us wearing things of, of two different kingdoms. They see us wearing things of the kingdom that were old. It says, take off those things that corrupt, that they rot our souls. Is they take us away from God and put on the things that help us to get towards God. He said, this physical thing of taking off and putting on. Many of us, do you know, I, I think many of the challenges that we face, many of the things that we're facing right now, they are not the devil and they are not God's judgment on you. What they are is a consequence of wearing unforgiveness under your coat of, I've got to be forgiving. Let's put on that first one about put off falsehood and truth. How many of you are really frustrated with our politicians who go, oh yes, I know the solution, I know the solution. And then they turn around and they're going, yeah, but you're lying. There's, there's underneath, there's, there's, there's unfaithfulness and lying, they're wearing that, but we're supposed to just look at the top coat. Just look at the top coat, that would be great. And this is this, this challenge, this is the war, because what we're going is, I like to hold my unforgiveness. I like to, to have my bad habits. I like to have that secret lust. I like to have that, that obsession. I like to have greed. Oh, I put on the good things of God, but I haven't taken off the things that God tells us to take off. This is the battle that's within us. This is what Paul is saying. Take off in order that you may put on because our inner desire says, I, I want things that I want. And we need to put on the things of God. Now, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to take these off because I, I know that's going to disappoint you because I know I look like a stunning model. And um, like an air fix or something like that. And, uh, but some of us, we need... The, the question is, what do you need to take off? What thing in your life at the moment that, that maybe you're hiding it under niceness, but deep down you're going, but I don't like that. You have this air of respectability, but actually underneath, God's going, but that issue isn't been addressed. One of the consequences of chasing our own things, it says, you know, the, the Gentiles, is that, that their, their hearts are hardened, their minds are darkened, is, is they begin to not see what God is saying. And that happens with us as well. Because sometimes God puts his finger on something and you're going, ooh, I know that doesn't quite fit with God, but we're so used to it, we keep it, is we then get insensitive to that. Something that God used to put his finger on and you're going, oh, God doesn't bother anymore. I said, no, you just hardened your heart towards it. I was chatting to someone after the earlier service and they said, I, I, I want to be loving and forgiving, but my neighbor was really, really mean. And, and I, I think I've got to go back and write a letter of forgiveness because I'm still underneath that garment. I'm holding on to that. It deserves that. I want to do something a bit unusual in, in our sermon. I, I haven't finished the sermon, so sorry to disappoint you. But, but I, want to, I want to pause here. I don't want to go through a whole list of what you might be wearing underneath and, and, and needs to be taken off. But I, I want to pause and just give God a bit of space to, to gently nudge. 
God is not here to condemn. God wants to give you life. But we need to take off those things that corrupt so that the things of life and holiness and righteousness, they can dominate so that we can encounter that new thing of God. So I just want to pause. And if you're, if you'd like just to bow your heads for a few moments. So this, this clear picture, God, of, of taking off the old and putting on the new. Father, I know every single person in this room, including me, we still have things that are on that we should be taking off. Things that we've excused, things that we've ignored, things that, to be honest, we just like to have. Be that greed or anger or envy or lust or, Father, I, I just, I, I pray that you'll, you'll free us from being general and you might put your finger right now on, on a, an item of clothing that we need to and I tell you, of, of, of the kingdom of darkness that we need to take off now. Father, that thing that we've been wrestling with, that thing. Father, we want to say we, we are not going to give up. We want to lean into that. We want to take off the old, have a transformed mind that we might put on the good and the new, that we might encounter more of you. Father, I'm sorry for, for letting my desires be the thing that reigns and ru- rules and motivates. And I want to go, God, what do you say? Amen. If God's, whatever God's put his finger on, I, I want you to say, I'm not going to just hang it up and go, okay, I'll look at it another time. I know I'm going to move on to a couple other points, but I want to encourage you to say, if God's just nudged you, if God's just said that to you, then you're going, that's the thing I need to take off so that you will encounter more of God's kingdom. But then Paul moves on. Paul actually, he does a lot of specific things, but, but then he moves on to something else, which is sort of in between the text, and I, I want to just to tease out a little bit. And it's this, besides taking off the old and putting on the new, is we also need to guard the areas that, we are, that we're vulnerable. Guard the areas that we're vulnerable. Um, I remember the first time that, that Kathy and I, Kathy's my wife, that, that Kathy and I left our girls to fend for themselves at home. I mean, more than just overnight, as in we were going to go away for, with some friends for three or four days, and we're leaving our girls by themselves to be responsible. I mean, I mean Kathy still bought a lot of food. You know, we left water out there because we thought it's kind. We you know, gave them the instructions, don't answer the door to strangers. Here's these emergency numbers if you have a problem. And they should be okay. You know, an eight and a ten-year-old should be fine, shouldn't they? They were, they were 15 and 17 or 18 at the time. And I know they should be old, but it was the first time. It was a big thing. They had the house and they had to secure it. And we, we planned it. Everything was sorted out. And then we flew off up to, to Scotland. And that evening, I get a phone call. I think it was from Izzy. And she said, Dad, we've got a bit of a problem. I went, what's that? She said, the garage is completely flooded. And I'm going, hey, yay. And I said, what do you mean? Because we're in sun. It was sunny and glorious up in, in Glasgow. And, and she said, it is flooded. There's water everywhere. And I said, well, where is it coming in? I don't know. Well, is it the washing machine? No, no. It's because it's raining really hard outside. And I'm going, yeah, that's what roofs are for. They stops water coming in. And she said, no, no, we can't work out where it's coming in. There is, I mean, there's paddling water in there. And it's tons. And we can't work out where it's coming from. And I'm going, well, it's clearly coming in somewhere. I don't know where it's coming from. I go, okay, just Lift everything off the ground, and when you can, sweep out the water, and I'll look when I get back. So a couple of days later, we get back, and, and by then, most things were dried out, and, uh, and I, I, I was trying to work out where did the water come from, and I, I just couldn't work out until it rained the next time. And then it rained the next time, so I immediately went to the garage, and I saw that water was coming underneath the garage door, the front garage door that closes. Water was flooding in under that and filling up our garage in an unhelpful way. Now, we've been living there for years, so I'm thinking, oh, this is unusual. This is a new thing. So I went out to 
the front, and, and I discovered that one of the, um, the drains for the rain on the roof came down, water pipe, it, it, the drain that was supposed to go into was blocked. And so it was overflowing and spilling out, and the spilling out then went into the garage and, and flooded our garage. So I'm very clever. I'm thinking, well, let's just clear the, wheat, clear the um, leaves out. So I scooped it out, but it still overflowed. Then I took the cover off, and then I discovered that it was full of dirt. It's, a, it's over a hundred-year-old house, old house, and it was one of these soakaways. It just got silted up and silted to the point where it just overspilled. So I scooped out, lovely task, scooped out this muck and sorted it out. And um, it, it, I couldn't replace the whole thing, but what I did is I made it to such a way that, that it was less vulnerable. And it was less vulnerable, but I tell you now, every single time it rains, I, I did it yesterday, is I keep checking that drain. Now, I check other drains as well, occasionally, you know, not obsessionally, but occasionally. But that drain, I am obsessional about. Because I know th- if it overfills and fills our garage, loads of Kathy's books and stuff, there's valuable things in the garage that I don't want soaked. And so I'm thinking, so I'm watching that. Now, now what does this have to do with our reading? I think what Paul is saying here, is, is saying that we need to, to guard some vulnerable areas. Now, he's not just saying, he does all the different lists about, watching, about the words we use and different things. But the problem I find with Scripture is Scripture often does these lists to guard against this, 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 and this. And, and in the big list is we can find we relate to some and others we don't and other things that we do get tempted by aren't in the list. And, and it's not always helpful having a big list. Back to our buffet. If we have a buffet before you, do you know each of us, we're tempted in different areas. Who's tempted by the, the breads? Who's tempted by the desserts? Who's tempted by the fried goodness of, of unhealthiness? Who's tempted by the salad bar? Yeah. But isn't it interesting that, that each of us are going to be tempted by certain areas are going to be a big temptation. You know, I'm, I'm very rarely tempted by the salad bar. That's not a big temptation for me. I don't have to work and turn my way up myself away from the salad bar. It's a very natural instinct. So I'm going, yeah, whatever, and good food. But, but there are certain things that we are more vulnerable to. And the truth is, we, we, we have to look at these individual things we need to take off. But what Paul is saying also in here is, is there are some vulnerable areas that we have in our lives that we need to be mindful and to guard. And these are the three areas that, that are grouped. And I hope you'll see them. If you have the scriptures, you can, you can just see this. The three areas. The first one, well, there's three. There's, there's your, your words in your mouth, the words you say. There's the, what's your heart and your mind, what you think about and ponder over. And then there's the actions, so, so the words, because he talks about to turn away from untruthfulness, and he talks about don't, don't use unwholesome talk, and later on in the reading, we didn't go just a bit further, it is to don't do crude jokes, and watch the words you say. And then later on, he, he, he talks about that inner thing, about that anger, don't let the sun go down your anger, and he talks about bitterness, and, and talks about other things as well, and then the actions about stealing and brawling. Now, these are all different areas, and some of these areas you're going to be very vulnerable to, and some you're going to go, it's a salad bar, you know, what temptation is that? But identify where is your vulnerable place? Where is that drain that when it overflows, when it rains, when you get the storms of life and the pressure of those around you, that is the thing that you're going to be susceptible to. For some of it, it is our words. Words are a powerful thing. In the book of James, James writes that the tongue is a powerful thing. It's one of the smallest parts of our body, and yet it can destroy things. Just like a spark can destroy it, can set out a whole fire, or the rudder of a ship can steer this massive things. How many people know that tongues can be really damaging things? Yeah? Has anyone got stung by a tongue? Someone said something, and you're going, that hurts. 
Some of us are still carrying things. Now, other side of that, but some of us are very susceptible to that area of the words that we use. And it may not be the words you speak. It may be the words that you, you tweet, you social media. It may be that you, you're a person who, who actually you find the inner pressure that you can get a little bit critical. Actually, let's be honest. You can just get critical. That you're one of the first to just point out everything that goes wrong. And, and those words is that's the first place you go. That's, it's not wrong to improve things. But if that's the first place you go, then you're going to be really susceptible. That's going to be a place that you need to mind. One little bit of supple time. I've got time to confess something. No, I don't. Shame. And um, <laughs> no, I will. I will. It, it, so, so one of mine. I, I, I call it. I have the gift of sarcasm. Okay. Some people doubt that, but I, sarcasm is my humor. And but I know that when I'm tired or strained, is that my sarcasm can get quite cutting, and I need to be mindful of that. Is one area that I need to guard. I need to guard my words in that way. Some of us here are more critical. Some of us here. But Paul is saying, it comes up again and again, about two or three times in, this, in these verses, these areas that, that where you're, you're finding yourself in the kingdom of darkness is what destroys and breaks down. And that unwholesome talk is rotting. The, the Greek word can go to, to rot. So do your words bring life or do they bring rot and decay? So some of us, actually, our words aren't the thing. Actually, we're just quiet and lovely and we never say anything and never upset anybody. But what we fall down the trap of is the way we think. And we're brewers. We brood over things. Any of those? You know, you have a conversation and then when you go home, you're going, ooh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, and you ponder and you think. And there's this little phrase that says, you know, don't sin in your anger. Because some anger is right and righteous. There is righteous anger. But then don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that's often, it's, it's said in a marriage context to husband and wife, you don't let the sun go down on your anger, stay up and fight. You know, that's, uh, I, think, I think that's the full text, I'm not sure. Uh, but actually, he's not writing to married couples. He's writing to me and to you. He's writing to individuals. He's saying, he said, don't let the sun go down your anger. What's that about? It's saying, when you get hurt, when something offends you, when someone says some words that, that, that just aren't right and, and injustice, he said, we need to not allow that to brew in our hearts. We need to get to that point of reconciliation or forgiveness. We need to give it, we need to deal with it because if it hangs in our heart, because here's the thing, I'm sure you've noticed this, is that when you have something negative in your heart or your head that's really bugging you, it does not shrink, it grows. That person who was a bit mean to you, and you're going, yum, yum, yum. it does not shrink, it grows. And then they said this, and you'll never guess what they said to that. Oh, I just found another person, and it grows. And what Paul is saying is we need to understand if we are vulnerable in that place, and it may not be anger, it may be worry. Any worriers amongst us? It's because, you, oh, but this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And worry does not shrink, worry grows. And he's saying, don't let the devil have a foothold. Now, this isn't, don't let the devil have a foothold, scare the living daylights out of you. It's understanding what's happening. What happens is when we brew on it, is it gives a place where the devil can flood our garage. That's what he does. He can flood our garage and destroy things. Because when you brew, then it impacts the words you say and the actions you do. It's understand the devil is a foothold because the devil wants to pull you away from the kingdom of light and kingdom of God. And he wants to pull you away into a place that that moves away from God. So any foothold or any hook, because whatever permission, wherever we give permission to the devil in our lives, be that our words, be that our actions, be that our thoughts, is he will take advantage of them. Now, if you're going, oh, does the devil exist? Yes, he does. And we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks time. 
There is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. It is true. And there is an enemy who does not want you to encounter the new things of God. So don't give the devil a foothold. It's just guard that place. So when the storms come, you don't get flooded. The other area is actions about do not steal and, and do not, do, do not, uh, um, oh, what's the word? Um, brawl. Thank you very much. Brawl. Because uh, brawls are interesting. Have, has anyone ever been caught in a brawl? That's, that's, not, that's like a salad bar to me. I, I'm not a brawly sort of person, okay? I'm, I'm gifted in sarcasm. I don't do the brawl thing, okay? I, I, do, the, I do the other thing. And, and now some of you go, I don't brawl, I don't steal, you know, but, but actually let's, let's lean into this a little bit. So some of us, our temptation area is that we, we physically get into places that, that are questionable. It's if you may regularly find yourself, maybe you're on church and you're singing how great is our God and that's awesome. And then, but tomorrow is you, you hang around with some people who, who basically, they, they just get you a little bit close to the edge. You don't cross the line, but you're really close to the edge and you're going, well, I know some of you are worried, I will not fall off, okay? And, um, but you get close to the, but you're worried I'm going to fall off, aren't you? Why? Because I'm close to the edge. This is what the action is, is that those who steal, is when we steal our actions, is some of us, we're going, I would never steal. But how about when you fill in your tax forms? How about when, it's, it's, when you're in work? How, much, how many of us go, well, it doesn't really matter. When we're hanging around friends and, and, the, and the, what they get involved in, and you're going, well, and you get close to the edge. And instead of saying, how holy can I get? You're going, how close to the edge can I get? Some of you, this is a big temptation for you. When it comes to your college mates or friends, the conversations that you have, where you end up. And he says, this is an area that that we're vulnerable in. Paul is saying, we need to take off those old things. But we need to be wary. Where are those areas that you are vulnerable? Now, you you may have a full deck and you're vulnerable with all three of those areas. Or maybe there's just one that you go, and that's, that's the real big one for me. He said, identify. This is not about condemning. This is about, he wants us to have life. So guard it. How do you guard it? Is find out, well, it is to take off those things and to put something on. So what should you put on? Find what the Bible says about those areas that you're vulnerable. When it comes to your words or when it comes to your, your ponderings, when it comes to your, your actions. And the Bible says is to, you know, to use words that build one another. Make sure you overflow with thankfulness is to put in, put on thankfulness that when people bump into me, but besides nice sarcasm, is they get a lot of thankfulness. I need to load my plate with thankfulness, things of God. If you are a person who ponders and worries, and it says, it says this in Philippians 4, is whatever is good and holy and pure, think on those things. So it's not just stop worrying, because trying to stop worrying is really tough. Like this, I'll give a little example. I want you to keep... Think of anything but a white horse, okay? A white horse. Don't think of a white horse. How many of you are thinking of a white horse? Okay, how about this? Okay, instead of thinking of a white horse, I want you to think of a black horse, okay? So when I say don't think of a white horse, I want you to think of a black horse, okay? So don't think of a white horse. What are you thinking of? A black horse. So whatever is good and holy and pure, think on those things. He doesn't just say, take, some of you are going, I still thought of a white horse. You just have, you need more therapy, okay? And, um, but it's, a, it's not just saying take off, but put on. And it's a journey thing. It's not a clicky thing. It's saying, do you know what? I, I got to keep checking that drain. I still, I checked it yesterday. Keep checking it. Why? Because I don't want to be flooded. I need to keep checking my tongue and how I need to see what does God say. But there's another really powerful tool that is found just at the beginning of chapter four. 
And this thing of new God is, is about unity. We're in this together. One of the biggest powerhouses that we have against selfishness is you guys, is friendships. Is you empower your friends to say, if, if, you know, if my words are getting a bit, if, if, I, if you see me brooding over stuff, holding in bitterness or something, if you see that I'm hanging around places that I shouldn't hang around, call me to account. Help me. Come alongside me. Pull me in. Because unity is a really powerful thing to stop us just going, I need that, I need that, I need that. And what together does is, yeah, but, but God, you need God. Last point. Last point is this. And this is a real powerful one that Paul says. It's actually in, in chapter 5, verse 18, a little bit further on. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The way that we, we are to battle this flesh, this battle, this inner hunger and desire, is by daily saying, God, will you fill me? God, will you fill me with your Spirit? One of the cool things about Christianity, it's not that you're saved, now go and be good. That is not the message of the cross. The message is that he has saved you now with Christ with you. At the end of Matthew 28, he said, I am with you to the end of the age. I am with you. We're doing this together. He said, I want you to daily deny yourself and follow me and walk with me. There's a two part. It's to say, I'm going to take off. I'm going to put on and I'm going to do this with you. One scholar wrote this. He said, often we think conversion is just a one-off thing. He said, we need to daily be converted. It's not that today, you know, back in 1804, I gave my life to Jesus. I need to make sure that I do it every day. I need to do it today. I need to do it tomorrow. Because that's the way. Because the thing is, this flesh, this thing in me, this hunger, this desire, the feed mark, that continues to wage war in me. It wages war in you. And what we need to do is we need to take off those things that feed that and put on the good things of God. To guard those areas. And today to keep coming back to, to God and say, God, will you fill me with your spirit? The way it says be filled with the Spirit, it's, it's in the present continuous tense, the Greek is, which means be being filled. It's that keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. It's a fascinating contrast. Don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Why? Now, I've never been drunk. I don't drink, so I've never been drunk in my life. I know that's different to some of you. Uh, and um, Oh, guilt is a funny laughter thing, isn't it? Sorry. But so why, why does he say that? He, he, okay, he, this is, please hear this right. Paul is not condemning us. What he's doing is, I want to help save us. That we may walk in the kingdom, for we're in the kingdom. We experience more and more of God. He says, don't get drunk in wine, because when you get drunk in wine, I've seen people like that, and, and what happens is you begin to get more relaxed, and we go with the flow, and we'll just see what happens. And then what we do is we allow that flesh thing to come up, and what do I really want? And people, when we're drunk, is we do things and we say things that we, that we shouldn't. He said, look, don't. Don't release the power of that flesh to do whatever you want. Instead, say, Jesus, I want to purposely that you be the Lord and I'm going to follow you. There's a little verse in there, just the end of the reading. It said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I know some people get hung up what that means. I think it means something really, really simple. I think God says, you've been saved from the kingdom of darkness and put in the kingdom of life. Your, Your status has changed. But whenever we go, my status has changed, but I'm just going to do my own thing. I think that upsets God. Grieves them. He says, don't do that. You're on the road to destruction. But I think we go, God, I want to go on the road with you. He goes, that's great. This call in Ephesians 4 is about living it. Our status has been changed. Now we need to live it. And it's a choice. What do you need to take off? What do you need to put on? Where do you need to place a guard? And I know we all need the Spirit again. Let's pray.
So Holy Spirit, keep moving. You're free to move. Free to nudge. Free to nudge me. Those places that I need to address. But in the midst of that, I know that your desire is a call to follow you. We're going to sing a song in a second. Of that. I've decided to follow Jesus. And then we're going to sing Waymaker because it's God who does it. But, it's, but it involves us. It's a partnership. I want to encourage you to say, God, I want to live it and choose to find those places. If you need to pray with someone, we have a prayer team. We're going to be split to the sides to pray with them. Maybe someone you came with. Just say that accountability. So I don't want to, I don't want to have a dark and hardened heart that, that leads away from God. I want to get, encounter more of God. And that requires us to say, okay, God, you have saved me and changed me, but I need to follow. I need to daily deny myself and come under you because under you is life in all its fullness. Because then I can have freedom. Then I don't need to worry if I got it right or wrong because I'm walking under your rules and your reign. This is an invitation. Come and walk with God and you will find life. Choose to live.